0: This is the Thanks for Sharing podcast, a podcast where we explore all things recovery, healing, and relationship. You can subscribe and download episodes wherever you listen to podcasts, and you can follow us on our social media pages. And while you're at it, I would love a review. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Thanks for Sharing. I'm your host, Jackie Pack. This episode is going to be a Patreon-only episode. What does that mean? Well, if you're not a member on Patreon. You haven't signed up to hear the Thanks for Sharing Patreon only episodes. What that means is this will give you a, you know, little blurb into the episode, but it will not allow you to listen to the full episode. If you want to listen to the full episode, you can head on over to Patreon or as my phone likes to call it, Patreon and sign up. You can find us under Thanks for Sharing. Has no spaces in between words, and you can sign up and become a member. It'll prompt you from there. Otherwise, this podcast episode will end shortly. I'm not sure, maybe in 15 minutes in or something like that. I didn't time that out. And that's all you'll get from this podcast episode. Every podcast episode will be uploading going forward into the Patreon app. So if you become a Patreon member and you want to listen from there, It'll alert you when there's new content. I do some bonus content once or twice a month, and then the other podcast episodes will be releasing like normal, wherever you've been listening to it. It will still be available, just not the Patreon-only episodes. Like if you can't afford to become a Patreon member of this show, I get that. No pressure from me, no hard feelings from me. I've been there. And if you can, and you would like to, Thank you. Thank you for doing that. So this podcast episode, I've been thinking about it for a couple of weeks. And what initially has come to mind, I've been reflecting on a conversation I had with my sister, probably I can't recall. I think it was in the summer of 2022. It could have been the summer of 2021, one of those two summers. Her and I had a phone conversation and, you know, we don't talk very much on the phone. I don't really like to do long phone calls for whatever reason. That's just never really been my thing. But this was a long phone call. I would say it was a couple of hours, you know, just it wasn't planned. I don't recall if she called me or I called her. But, you know, what is typical is we call each other with a question, you know, it's not, any in-depth question or something like that. Just information we need to know or information we need to share. And on this particular time, you know, she also doesn't, like she's told me in the past that she doesn't have a lot of memories of our childhood, which, you know, that happens. I know that happens. And so I don't hold her that against her. But it can also be difficult to have some of those conversations because I think, Unlike her, I do have a lot of memories and, you know, it's not like she's asked me what I remember or anything like that. And so it's just, you know, we just, I don't know, we kind of avoid, we just avoid going there. Right. And so this particular day, I don't, like I said, I don't recall who called who or what it was actually about or how it got into a deeper conversation. Cause that's not typical, but We were talking about at some point, I don't know how it transitioned. And, you know, she was sharing how one of the ways that our childhood impacted her in her adult life was, you know, unfortunately, the person she married and had kids with, there were some trauma repetitions in that relationship with our own dad. There were things that he, behaviors and ways of living his life that he kept hidden. And, you know, it took her at least a decade or more than a decade to figure out that there was hidden behavior. I think she kind of stumbled into that awareness, not expecting that. And so, you know, their kids were, I don't know, early teens, I would say. Their two kids were early teens. And all of that impacted them. Of course it did. And she was just talking about, you know, the impact on her And the impact on both of them, you know, they responded, each of them responded differently. And we're just talking about that, you know, and I I was kind of listening and validating as appropriate. And then also saying like, yeah, I mean, I don't think that's uncommon. I mean, we have six siblings in our family and I think all of us responded differently to it. And, you know, I I don't know that there's a right way to respond and we've each responded differently. And so it makes total sense that your kids responded differently or each of them needs something different in this area of their life or wants to know different things in this area of their life or doesn't want to know certain things. And, you know, so she was sharing that and then we started talking more specifically and more details about our childhood and you know i don't i don't know why she could remember in this conversation but she opened up and she was sharing things and i was sharing things and again her and i probably have the most uh memory shared memories i would say i mean they haven't always been shared but you know we're Two years apart, age-wise, she's the closest sibling to me in age, and we shared a bedroom up until, I think she moved out when I was 17. She moved out of the house. Each of us at separate times lived with my mom again briefly, but we were never at the house at the same time again, and, you know, but we shared, let's say, 17 years of our life, we shared together sharing a bedroom, sharing certain dynamics and whatever. And so we were having this conversation and like I said, it started getting into some of the details and, you know, she was just sharing with me some of the work she's done in therapy. I think if I remember correctly, she was sharing that at that time she was, working with a therapist. I think that's correct. I could be wrong. And I was working with a therapist at that time. I mean, I still am working with that therapist. And so we are just kind of talking about that. And, and, you know, she's remarried now to a great guy. We, we really like him. And in many ways, he's the father to her kids she always wanted. And I mean, her kids are adult kids as are mine. But I think she was just kind of saying, I needed my life to stabilize for me to be able to do some of the work I'm doing now. And, you know, I agree with that. No judgment on her, but it was like, yeah, that totally makes sense. And, you know, she was just sharing how much fear she lived with in adulthood that she wasn't really aware of. And, you know, not surprisingly how much trauma and how much pain is behind that fear and i think i had just said to her like yeah yeah that's one of the realizations i had to come to in my adult life too is like just how much fear was residing in my body and in many ways was trying to lead things you know lead the show or whatever And she kind of paused and was like, you had a lot of fear from our childhood. And I said, yeah, yeah, I had a lot of fear. And she was like, I didn't know that. Like, I wouldn't, I would not have guessed that. And, you know, I just said to her, like, I think we all do because our home life wasn't safe and our parents weren't stable. I mean, we were safest when dad wasn't there, which happened a lot, but he would always come home at some point and who knew, who knew, you know, what was going to happen. You could cross this path and something could erupt. I just didn't know. You know, I also said, I mean, it could also come from mom. I mean, mom had a lot of, I think, unprocessed and unresolved emotions about her marriage. I don't, She wasn't happy. This wasn't the marriage she wanted. She didn't feel safe in her marriage. But I think a lot of times that ended up coming at us because of course it did, like, it was never good if her anger went to dad, he was stronger. He would cross more lines than she would. And so in that way, I think we were safer targets for her anger than he was. And unfortunately, again, these are maybe unknown emotions she was having or definitely unresolved. Which I think some of those, you know, unresolved emotions, that unresolved trauma, I think I have said this before, I see it kind of like this energy that lives in us and it just is, it's not organized energy, it kind of just bounces around unrestrained It's not anchored to time and place. And when it comes out, it's intense, it's immersive. It can feel all consuming. And, you know, so I was like, I mean, it could come from mom, it could come from dad. It could come from witnessing that happen between the two of them. Or sometimes it might come from dad to one of the kids, from mom to one of the kids. You know, just none of us would grow up in that situation and feel safe. That just wasn't, it just wasn't, I think, true for any of us. And so I said, yeah, I I think all of us are living, you know, with some degree of fear that's unresolved from our childhood. And, And it's waiting for us to do some work around that, but I think we have to first come to that awareness that that's there and waiting for us to address and to feel and to work with. And again, I think she was surprised and she just said like, well, did you know that I had a lot of fear? And again, not something I would typically say in a conversation with her, but it felt safe to say it. And I just said, yeah, I think I I think I knew that. I think I knew that even as a kid, that you felt a lot of fear. And I said, and of course, you know that's not gonna make me feel safe. You're my older sibling and you have a lot of fear. And so I have a lot of fear. And she was like, like in my memories of our childhood, you, you're kind of fearless. Like I don't, like it's just shocking to me to hear that you had so much fear because that's not a, that's not something I, would have even guessed at or been aware of. But she's like, I mean, I hear what you're saying that like, of course you did like that. It makes sense to me that like all of us did because it wasn't safe. But she's like, I'm just gonna have to reconcile that. Like, I'm not saying it's not true. I just have to reconcile that because that's new information to me that you were so afraid. She was like, when you realized it, were you was it new information for you? And I said, "No, I don't I don't think so. Like I think I always knew I lived with a certain amount of fear. I didn't know how pervasive it was until I faced it and started working through it. But it wasn't surprising to me how pervasive it was. And it, I could tell it was new information for her, kind of shocking. And I said, I mean, I think also fear can look a lot of different ways. Like, I don't know that I openly express that. I think there's reasons for that, you know? Even if I felt it at the time, I don't know that I would've told her or my mom that I had a lot of fear. And I was sharing with her, I think I've said this before, one of my daughters, a lot of people will say she's a mini me. I'm sure she doesn't like that. You know, she doesn't like being told that she's so much like this 30, 40, 50 year old woman. I mean, she's like, if somebody says that, she's just like, oh yeah, people tell me that all the time. I don't think she hates hearing it. Right. But even when she was little, people who knew me when I was little would kind of observe her and be like, oh my gosh, her mannerisms. And just like, I feel like I'm looking at you. And. You know, I would sometimes joke and be like, yeah, I don't I don't see that. And I didn't, I didn't see that. And I would joke and be like, I mean, I was a child of the seventies and then the eighties. And you know, she certainly never had the eighties perm and big hair that I did. And so I joke like, that's why I didn't see it. I remember being in therapy one time and, you know, facing this unresolved fear and trauma and talking about it. And, and I think my therapist asked me something like, what do you think would be different if you hadn't grown up with this much fear? And fear just wasn't such a constant companion. And, you know, I'm kind of like, I, I don't know. I have no idea. And then I said, oh, wait a minute. I think I do. I think I do have a template for that. I think it would be my daughter. And just kind of, you know, I remember at the time in the therapy session getting pretty emotional and just thinking, and I think I said to my therapist, like, this daughter is pretty fearless and she just tackles life and approaches it like, why would you be afraid of things? Why? Like, just go do your thing, do it big and it'll all work out. And that's never been my approach to life. And I was, you know, on the one hand, happy for her and sad for my younger self. And I think I shared that with my sister. And I think my sister has said to me before, oh, yeah, this particular daughter reminds me of you the most. And so I shared that with her. And I said, you know, I think I think she is pretty fearless The way she plays soccer, the way she approaches life situations. You know, she talks to adults, doesn't scare her. She'll do all these things. It just doesn't really phase her. She'll, if she's having a problem with her teacher in elementary school, she'll talk to the teacher about it. She will defend herself or be like, well, I just don't think this is fair. Or I don't think you're seeing things right. I've been at those parent-teacher conferences and... You know I don't say very much that she she does, and I'm like, okay, I think we're good. I think what needed to be said was said. do we have anything else? you know I felt like I just kind of mediated, but I said i I think we would be different. We would be different if we hadn't lived in fear. I think human beings do really well when there's a baseline of safety and you know, whether that's my sister at, I don't know, 50, she was probably 49, 50 when we had this conversation or whether, you know, that's kind of your whole life. I think we do well. Not that my daughter hasn't had some, you know, maybe difficult situations or some trauma, but her trauma was not, uh, at this core level that can, can interrupt our Development. I, I don't think I would say that about her, that I'm aware of. You know, she's in therapy now and working on some things. But, you know, as far as I'm aware, that's not something that is in her experiences. And, you know, I, I just think, you know, in many ways, one of my sorrows is that because for me and my siblings are shared experiences aren't really positive. I mean, we have some positive experiences and that's typically when we're together, we'll talk about those, we'll laugh about those. I would say overall, we're pretty witty as a group. We can use humor well, and we're witty in that way. And you know, I mean, we're pretty funny, but I feel like there's a line that we don't step over we don't step beyond because we're going to bump into that shared trauma we're going to bump into those traumas and i don't know i don't know if we're going to get there i used to really hope that we would get there i don't i don't know i have to live with where we are now and accept what is now and show up in the space that we are now but that particular story got me thinking about, and I think this comes from Pete Walker's work, probably in both of his books. He has a book on complex PTSD. And then he has the book, The Tower of Fully Filling, where he's, he's talking about, well, I don't know if he's talking about the window of tolerance. Because I think time-wise, that would have been like polyvagal theory is really kind of where the window of tolerance language comes from i mean certainly when he wrote that book in the 90s i think early 2000s we were talking about emotional regulation in the addiction field we were talking about emotional sobriety so those concepts were being talked about and were known but i don't i don't think we were using the language of the window of tolerance but he talks about the window of truth and how you know much of our uh let's say our unhealthy coping skills in our adult life that they stem from not reconciling these truths from our earlier life the earlier years of our lives and and so i i think i heard his language in that and then put it with more current language of the window of tolerance. And I've probably said this on this podcast before, when we face those truths and we work through those truths, and often it's helpful to have somebody work through it with us because it's just nice to have a fair witness. It's nice to not feel alone when we're working through these painful trauma experiences. So when we, start to allow ourselves to know what is true. Not surprising, our window of tolerance can start to expand. We'll actually become more emotionally regulated. We can become more centered. I think this is where we have more of a fair witness or an inner observer who is accurate and who who can help us. So I want to talk a little bit more about that in this podcast episode today and how truth and pain are not the enemy. And again, if you're not a Patreon member, this episode will end. And you can head over to the Patreon app, find us at Thanks for Sharing, no spaces between words, become a member, or this is where it will end. And I'll see you next week the legal stuff. This podcast is solely for the purpose of information and education and does not constitute therapy, nor should it replace competent professional help. Prayer of the perfectionist. Nobody has time for perfection. We are pursuing progress. Help me to remember the only step I need to focus on is the next right step for me. Help me to remember that life is a journey. Help me be able to separate all that I'm learning from all that I have to do. Help me to remember that I am not alone. I can ask for help. Help me to strive for frequent awakenings, not mastering. I am enough. Amen.